What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Flyover Sports Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Tenpenny. Looking forward to bringing you another great podcast. And I am joined with my co-host, Drew Clifton. Drew, what's up, my man? Not much. People, some jobs were saved. The Royals won some games. Some jobs were saved. I don't even know about that. You're being maybe a little bit premature. I'm still on the uh, Cal Edred needs to go, man. But we can get into that. We sure. can get out here in a minute. But uh, yeah, the Royals. Uh, you know, since their long another rough stretch, they uh, win a series against the Boston Red Sox. Like they had like the second most wins in the MLB, and now are split one and one with the Yankees in New York and have been in both games. Like this team makes absolutely no sense, dude. No, what I think that's happening is the Red Sox decided to go easy on the Royals so that they got some, they got some heat going and they would go and put the Yankees farther back in the, the standings away from the good old Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's quite the case because the Red Sox playing for first with the Rays, man. And it's just, yeah that whole division is crazy by the way the al east is absolutely stacked the yankees look like they suck and they're like six games over 500 right and the hottest hitter is in fourth place in vladimir guerrero jr right right like that that whole that whole division i mean thank the royals are somehow in third because they're in a terrible division the central but they can't beat the central that's not that's where i want to start today that's where i want to start we're talking about how they beat the red sox and are playing well against the yankees they're 18 and 16 against non-AL Central opponents. And that's with the 1-6 and six road trip out West against the Angels and, and A's. So they even had a terrible stretch against non-divisional opponents. And there's still two games above 500. And that includes, you know, they played the right. Blue Jays. They played the A's earlier. They played the Rays twice. Like, that's crazy that they're team in a bad division. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, that they're in a bad division. Right. But they lose to those teams and they can't beat. And they were, but they can beat the good teams from other. I just, I, this, right. it's so frustrating. That's what I'm just. Disco- that's what I feel like I'm discovering following baseball week to week now. It just doesn't. This team makes no sense. They beat. It's arbitrary, completely arbitrary who they beat, um, and just everything is completely unpredictable. You know, everybody will go if you. As soon as somebody gets hot, you know, it's DL time, um, or. <laughs> Uh, you bring up Ryan O'Hearn, who looks fire in 66, by the way, uh, oh, yeah. with his two-run, two-a-game, two-home run, two-game span here. Uh, just doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's really hard to start watching baseball and to start, like, deciphering it, like, for this podcast and then just have this team where it's kind of just, like, numbers on a chalkboard. Uh, I have no idea what's going on. It's math class. And I'm just, like, really struggling. You know, but... Maybe you should sit closer to the front. No, I don't. I don't think so. That's not going to help me. Well, I think if anything, it's easy to see why baseball is such a regional sport, right? Because first off, there's so many games that it's so hard to be a fan of a team if you know don't actually really care that much. If it doesn't affect you. Second, even on bad teams, even on a hundred lost teams, yeah, every team has these kind of stretch where they just pull you back in, and where it's like. Man, they just won two out of three against the the Red Sox. Man, they just they just uh, play two good games against the Yankees. Have a chance to win. Like that happens right. for every team throughout every the season. team, even every World Series team. Their pod a podcast that covers that team will have a week or two that is just like sell it, sell everybody, fire everybody, close the team down, right, and then they right. go on to win the championship. Right, right, exactly, and it's not, and it's so different in other sports. Like in in the NFL, like 
you can have a one or two win team to where you only have one or two kind of good weeks, but like right. it doesn't really matter. While yeah. in baseball, you you have you know every other weeks, even when bad teams can be at least. Oh, they only went three and three. Here's the positives. That's why baseball is so frustrating. Right. Too. You lose the first three games in football, you literally can hang it up and fire the, fire the coach and be right. moving on next season. If you have like a 10-game losing streak in the NBA, it's like kind of the same thing. It's like pretty hard to recover from, especially if you lose to the teams that are like in your conference uh, and things like that. So um, there's a lot of depression. I heard uh, it was a wisdom um, from the uh, Cubs was talking on a podcast, and he was like, this is a sport where you fail 70% of the time and you're going to make the Hall of Fame. Right. And uh, that's just across the board, not even just hitting, right? It's just mm-hmm. it's a team. You're going to fail majority of the time, which I can't imagine. Man. That would just be a brutal way to – brutal existence. Well, that's why – why do you think there's so many uh, draft you know, draft rounds and so many levels of minor league ball? It's because – Right. It's not, it's not because so many people are elite baseball players. It's because – there's a lot of decent players, but you have to be so strong mentally right. that you have to have those lower levels to see who's willing, you know, who has the mental capacity to be able to deal with this failure, deal with the pressure that comes with professional sports while doing the hardest single thing that in a regular sport, which is hitting a baseball. And so that's why I remember reading. I remember it came up on my uh, notifications on one of the apps, like ESPN or something. It was an article like a couple of years ago about the first number one overall pick that didn't make it to the majors or one of the first and that was fat it was a great it was a great article just fascinating to read what a horrific in in existence for that person um for like 10 years of just playing triple a ball and double a ball and just like you have to make it you're the number one overall pick but you're not who what other sport does that happen um you're at least going to get some shine in the professional right like Jamarcus russell for the uh raiders like started for like two or three seasons, you know, right. for them. And, and you know, Greg Austin, Odom was on the Heatles, you know? Right, right, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, even those busts in other leagues still get as long of a run as they can get at the professional level. Right. Not the, the truly case. closest in basketball for a number one pick is, is Bennett. Well, I think it was my, like Michael Bennett for oh, like yeah. Cavaliers first pick who like literally, who had nothing more than his first contract, but he still played NBA basketball. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, it's just when you look at like let's just look at the Royals like in 2015 in the first round they drafted Ashy Russell and right. Nolan Watson they got two first round picks you've never heard of either of those guys neither of those people Ashy is an all time baseball name though yeah both of them are out of baseball now never never really made it up I mean I think they're actually actually that's a lie I think they're both trying to make it back but right. like these were the Royals draft picks one during the World Series run and everyone was excited like oh these yeah. are two pitchers that you know could keep this going. Never to be heard from again. I mean, it just y'all... stinks, man. I'm just, you know, if you do make it to the majors and you get to be like a utility player or something like that, like a Brock Holt, man, that's quite the career. That's a great, yeah, yeah. that's a great career. But to make it, man, there's so much failure. There's so much depression and like negative thoughts that are going to yeah. be invading your mind. You're right. The mental fortitude of these guys has to be through the roof. Well, and that's why. So. Danny Duffy came off the DL, and we can talk about his start, him being back here in a minute. But the move the Royals made to bring Danny up was to send Jackson Kowar back down to the minors. And kind of what we were just talking about is why I have a little bit of an issue with that. I mean, the dude has a .87 ERA at AAA. Like, like I'm not 
saying he can't go back and regress and you know have and go up a little bit, but like he clearly has the confidence and knows the how to pitch there. Like he's done well. Mm-hmm. Why? What is he going to learn going back down to AAA that he can't learn from? Maybe being a bullpen guy, you know, being a long reliever, one to sure. two innings, that and and maybe get some confidence up against major league hitters. Learn how to because we've seen the stuff is there. Like we like even even though he's looked so bad, like that changeup he has, like you, it's fooled hitters. Like he's had got some really ugly swings. It's just his command, and it seems his confidence has been shaken from the way he started. Matheny's what in the quote Matheny said that it's about fastball control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, why not let him work at that? Work on that here. I mean, right. let's be real. Like, I know, I know that there's a lot of. We're not even half. We're not even at the halfway point of the season yet. But like, it take it will take a lot to uh, for the Royals to make you know the the playoffs. So right. that shouldn't be the the focus. I think. I mean, I don't think as a team you don't want to. Like, I get Dayton more. The team doesn't want to give up complete hope. But you also have to look to the future and be like. If we're going to be good in the next year or two, it's going to be because of Daniel Lynch and Jackson Kowar. And you know, if they don't know how to pitch at the major league level, that's not right. going to that's not going to be that's not going to matter in a few years. And as we've discussed already, like our record doesn't show how far away from the playoffs we actually are. Right? If we're losing to only to the Central Division right. teams, so. I, I think I think it's time to pack it in in terms of like really trying to win, right? Because yeah. I've been I've seen a lot of like talking about Duffy. There's like Duffy trade talk, right? Um, and that would be a huge sign that you're just tucking in. Yeah, Duffy is their best uh, trade option right now, right? And um, he's royal forever. You know, he's royal right. blue. He bleeds royal. And the thing about Duffy is, there's a ten and five rule to where if you played for the same team for ten years. Um, you have a no trade clause automatically built in. Right. Guess, guess he's reaching his tenth year as a royal. So this would be the year to get it, get him out. No, no, he can. Oh, he's he already can veto, here. Yeah, he can veto it unless they do it like the next week or two. Oh. Uh, he could veto. He could. He could veto any trade. No, just be sad. <laughs> so I love Danny the Burger Duffy. Kings and other other MLB <laughs> cities. Better look out. He's coming oh through God. the drive through. Dude, though, seriously, I I love Danny Duffy. And I I Same. really respect and love the bury me royal, but Dayton's got to put all that aside. And I mean, obviously, Duffy can stop it if he wants, but like, it needs to be an option for the Royals. They need to they need to get you know he's their best trade asset. He's going to be the guy to bring in someone that could potentially help in the next year or two. And I think the Royals would be crazy not not to get rid of him as as tough as that may sure. be. Do you think pitch for pitcher for pitcher in that situation? Prospect, obviously, or something like that. Um, but do you think – or they would they go offense? I, I think um, I think they could potentially add a guy that adds as a – factors as a bullpen piece long term. I don't really think they want to mess with too much starting pitching as far as trading for because they do believe in these young guys and you yeah. can sign a guy or an innings uh, innings eater. You know, every offseason there's – like Mike Miner – you know, he's actually done a pretty good job for the yeah. Royals, and he was a cheap innings inning eater. You can normally find a guy like that. He's like so top think, ten in strikeouts, man. He's he's dealing. Yeah, he just had a rough April, you know. So yeah. and he's been he's turned he's got like a three seven ERA since April. But uh, I think outfield help, man. Like really, like, right. that's that's where the Royals right now. Their outfield Ben Attendee's hurt, and he's only on the team for one more year. 
Michael A. Taylor is a free agent after this year. He's nothing special. They have to play Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler out in yeah, the outfield. The two Gerard, worst players in the MLB. Right, right. Gerard Dyson is actually been their best too outfield. Much, man. He's no, playing he's been too their much. best outfielder, though. <laughs> That's he, so sad. That's so he, sad. He's hitting 268 <laughs> and only 62 plate appearances. But, like, dude, he's, he's on been, fire. Yeah, he's been their best. He's been their best outfielder by far, dude. So I don't mind Gerard playing. That's right now. crazy. Nobody what else a sad play. existence for the Royals. Gerard Dyson comes back at like 39 years old and is uh, their best outfielder. Only because Benintendi's on on the on the DL or IL, but you know that's um, not fun. It's much fun as a narrative, man. Right, right. But like they need some outfield. I mean, Kyle Isbell, who we saw a little bit, is coming up, yeah. and. Um, you know, Edward Olivares, uh, they never let him play. Right. Uh, they call him up to, to maybe start once for in five days and then send him back down. He's another guy who – he probably factors in to be more of a fourth outfielder long-term, but you never know. Like, he's – you know, he's only 25 and he hasn't really gotten a fair shake. It doesn't make any sense to play Dozier over that. It doesn't make any sense to play Solaire, right? You know what those guys are going to do. Why don't you right. this guy – Well, I get, I get playing Solaire, man, because his he's a free agent and – Literally, what needs to happen is Soler needs to get hot for a week or two, <laughs> hit a couple dingers, make make other American League teams maybe give up like a reliever, you know, yeah. you know, a reliever with some control. Yeah, I'm if okay with that. Yeah, you should if, bat first, man. Uh, get him as many <laughs> at bats as possible. If, because otherwise, he has no trade value. The Royals are going to have him on the roster the whole year, and then he's going to be gone. So uh, he needs to get hot between now and July 31st. So the Royals can flip him for some some reliever with some control, and he I'll be happy. Walk I'll be song. happy. He needs to be uh, the new Lord song called Solar Power. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it, everybody thinks that uh, Lord has a lot of hit. That song is really bad. Um, so it'd be a really good mix with uh, Mr. Solar. Yeah, a really bad song with a currently very bad player. Yeah. What's just so frustrating about Solar and Dozier is like they have the they. They they've been good. Like they're they they at some had, point in their career they've been major league baseball hitters. They've been yeah. Like Dozier in 2019 had an OPS of 870. <laughs> like that's awesome. That's that's a that, that'll play at and with you in, in the corner outfield or third base or wherever you you spot him. Right. Even last year when he was he was battling some injuries and wasn't didn't look completely. Uh, great he had like a 740 ops and then was walking he was one of the leaders on the team in walks he's not even walking this year he he has let's see he's walking back to the dugout he's walking well well, let's look in 20 in 2020 he had 186 plate appearances 27 walks that's not bad right and this year he has 216 so what is that 30 more he only has 16 walks yeah. Like, that's where it starts, man. He's swinging at everything. Like, Maybe instead of a hitting coach, he needs to just hang out with Santana and, uh, I, did, and I guess. practice with him. That, and I mean, Nicky Lopez. Right. I, I mean, and that's those are huge problems, but like, on to on Jackson Coar going down, like, maybe there's a better pitching coach in the AAA. Maybe, dude. Yeah, I guess so. That's, yeah. that's still my number one thing, man. <laughs> The Royals walked eight in Game One against the Yankees and eleven in Game Two. Jeez, only three of those nineteen walks scored somehow. Like the fact that they were even in these Yankee games is a yeah. blessing because that's nineteen free base runners in two games. 
Yikes. The Yankees stink. Holy the Yankees crap. stink, but like <laughs> the, fact, the fact that you, can, that you can't do that and win I, or even uh-huh. like or even be in a ball game, you know, mm-hmm. it's just surprising. That's crazy. So like I don't I don't think the Royals have a pitching staff that wants to walk people that much. It, it just has to be I mean, some of it's on the players obviously, but like when it's a team-wide issue, right. I mean, you have to start looking at, at the people that are, are coaching these guys. Right, That's- and if we believe in these starting pitchers so much and they're just across the board not performing up to like where they should be, there's a problem. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the Royals have two starting pitchers they can rely on. One of them just came up back off the, the DL, you know. So, like, outside of that, I mean, what, they, they got what? Six pitchers that you feel kind of good about when they come out, but Brinson, Brents is – kind of started to regress a little bit he's sure. had a couple bad outings in a row um so what i'm at i'm at why Duffy. is greg holland even say like barlow should be the saver right the save well, the closer oh my gosh yeah <laughs> the saver the saver i've talked baseball <laughs> um no uh um greg holland okay the thing about greg holland man is he hasn't been that like before last night he had an era of like 3.6 and five saves like he's he's actually been a decent reliever he just has these blow-ups that look so bad right and that's what everyone remembers is because it's normally at well the he's the put him in the end of the game you're caught like your blow-ups literally translate to losses so right 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 no and i understand that but like um they Josh Stamont has not been the same since he had that dead arm. He finally hit 98 for like the first time in what feels like a month yesterday. So okay. they don't feel good about him closing right now while he's working through some stuff. And Scotty Scotty Flo Barlow is the uh he's more of the fireman. Like he's the guy that like he could pitch the ninth, he could pitch the eighth, he could like whenever it seems stressful with he could come in and get get a strikeout, get a ground out or whatnot. Right. Get him out of that base that's loaded. Kind of, right. That's kind of been his role. And so I think Greg Holland, as an experienced closer who has had a ton of success in the major leagues and has done a decent job, you know, the fan narrative is a little overreactive to how bad Greg Holland has been, actually. But that's why the Royals feel like he needs to be the closer. And it's, he's not good enough to be the closer right now. I'm, I'm not arguing against that. I'm just saying he has experience and he hasn't been as bad as, as people like to make you think. So I understand why he's the guy that Matheny's going to. When sure. Stalmont's struggling, when Barlow has a different role, when Brents and Zimmer don't quite have the major league, uh, you know, resume yet to fully put in that role, I get why Holland's the first guy Matheny thinks of. Right. So. Be nice to bolster that. You're right. It's be nice to bolster that bullpen with some like growing arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the we'll, we'll really get into some trade deadline talk here in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, as we get close to the all-star game, but really minor Duffy, um, maybe Holland, as long as he doesn't have too many more blowups, um, and hopefully Solaire. I mean, that's about, that's about it at the major, unless they want to get rid of Santana and Ben Nintendi. Um, oh, no, <laughs> that, uh, that will make this podcast brutal. That would be, <laughs> that'll be a, a Bobby Wood Jr. podcast official. Uh, I think marking. I think Santana has a better chance of being traded over Ben Attendee because they both only have two years on their contract. So next year they're both free agent, you know, and after the twenty twenty two season, dude, that's just just a professional hitter. I'll be really disappointed if he's not on the team. Yeah, he's just it, 
he's just fun. Like his at bats, even though they end in walks, like they're still yes. fun because like he'll go o two and then like foul off four pitches and take three balls and get back to a full count, and you're like, how yeah. do you do this? So right. But but you know the. The one thing for sure is that the Royals make it interesting. Whether they're winning or losing, they always kind of give us something to talk about because frustrating or positive. Yeah. So, but another thing that's been happening in baseball, uh, speaking of pitching, is uh, MLB umpires are starting to check umpires after, or umpires starting to check pitchers after innings to see if they've got, you know, all that sticky stuff on. And it's led to some pretty hilarious reactions from some of these pitchers. You've been seeing that? Yeah, of course, man. It's like the biggest story in baseball again. <laughs> man, like, I, like just accosting and forcing a, uh, a man to strip um, on the field, uh, which is obviously not what they're going for. But I love that that's kind of the direction that some of these pitchers are going in, um, which is what they should be doing. Make like make this as embarrassing as possible for the MLB. But of course, uh, they are completely – uh, oblivious to what is going on, and Manfred comes out and is like, "It's been a really big success so far." I know, right? That that was that was the craziest quote. Is that after the day after Max Scherzer takes off his belt and Sergio Romo pulls down his pants? Yeah, <laughs> Rob Manfred goes, "Yeah, it's been a real success so far," and it's like, "No, dude, like these pitchers are pissed." Like, right, and you're messing up the flow of the game, which is already the biggest problem, like for watching baseball, in my opinion, right? Yeah, is I mean, just how if you're gonna make it slower, it's not like people are gonna watch more, right? Well, I mean, it doesn't let's let's be real, like it doesn't really slow down that much because it's only each pitcher can only be checked twice unless the manager, the manager of the other team asks for a third time, which happened with Scherzer, which is right. why he went berserk. Um, and uh, it's as they walk off the mound, so it's while the other team's running on and doing the warm up, you know. the that they do anyway. So I, I don't think it looks ridiculous. Yeah. It just looks ridiculous. Like it really does because some of these guys, like you've seen some guys like DeGrom was like, I don't care. He was the first one checked and he was like all smiled and was like, doesn't bother me none. Like he knows that like, he's just, he's, literally, good. he's just so good. Um, Scherzer is just a fiery guy on the mound. Like we, you, if you've ever watched Scherzer, he's a complete asshole on the mound. And so that's just the mindset he gets. So yeah. You add, you add this element and I'm sure there's a lot of pitchers like that. Like I, I, I've, I didn't really see what how Brady Singer reacted, but he has that same kind of mindset to where like if you're out here checking if they're cheating, regardless if it's the rules or not, and you're already in that mindset, you're gonna be pissed off about it. And that's yeah. what that's what a lot of these guys are. Uh, and if I'm sure there, it's like how many eras of baseball have I lived and pitched spectacularly through? Right. right. Like I don't need to cheat. I like I have lived through like. All of the the juiced ball, the unjuiced ball, these sticky balls doesn't matter. I'm throwing strikes, man. He's got three Cy Young awards right. and finished top ten in MVP voting. You think I'm cheating because I'm killing you, and you still haven't figured me out, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the thing was that was I actually found interesting is his spin rate was down quite a bit, and that really? that's the number one indicator. Now all spin rates a little bit down because even if you take even though the sunscreen and rosin is mostly for grip, it does increase spin rate a little bit. So naturally naturally guys are even that aren't really cheating, like with spider attack and stuff, are going to have a decreased spin rate. But Scherzer's was pretty drastic. So it did kind of I love Max Scherzer and I'm kinda um 
curious though if he was uh, maybe maybe he was using a little sure little, I would something, something else uh, if there. I'm that competitive if I'm that good and there's this thing that they aren't going to govern that is a widely known secret I'm going to do it until they tell me to stop but right. I'm Max I'm Max Scherzer I'm still going to be a stud right. regardless of what's on the ball right yeah no that that's true and that's what we've seen like Garrett Cole. You know, he's he's almost like the poster child for using yeah. spider tag. I don't blame players very well for cheating, was- like cheating like that, like to getting a small advantage. It's baseball. It's like, okay. I don't think it's okay, but like the MLB has created an environment where it makes sense to take. You're supposed to take advantage of these little openings and uh, because they've known about this forever. And it, so, and now they're just starting to regulate it in the middle of the season. Screw right. you. I, I, I'd be acting up too. I'd be throwing a tantrum. Yeah. Chris Bryant said, you know, we were all said the hitters were all fools for believing the control BS and that it's nice to see, you know, cause that's why it was accepted for so long. And it's nice right. to see that. Uh, and Xander Bogarts, a uh, future all-star starter for the Red Sox. He was like, sliders don't have quite the same bite over the last week or so. So like, it's sure. going in the right direction, and it's good that they're getting to this point. But yeah, you're completely right that that if it was a if it was you know not okay, but actually okay, you, it's hard to blame the pitchers for taking advantage of it. But as yeah. we said, as we said, once the studs are still the studs, um, strikeouts are a little bit down, but they're still getting outs and still yeah. you know pitching well. So, so yeah, and how many of the eras of the cheatings have been offensive minded? You know, we're finally, this is the first like pitcher one in a long time. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, the pendulum swung, you know, don't blame me for jumping on it. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I just, it's a lot more fun when it's the offensive one, because that's what people want to see. Yeah. Most of the time. I mean, if I'm going to see DeGrom versus Scherzer, I don't care. It's two to one, but if I'm going to see two number four starters, I don't want to see two, uh, two to one scores. I want to see eight to you know, seven scores or stuff like that. So, yep. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, again, it feels like the Royals somehow avoid all this talk all the time, man. Like whether it's, whether it's PEDs or, or whatever, you know, science or whatever, like it's like the Royals are, are fine. Like their spin rates are, are, are still the same. Like nothing has really changed since this talks come. They're just, they're yes. just the Royals, man. They don't. Well, I mean, them. if the Royals were to be like really good for a long period of time, everybody would. That's just obvious that you're cheating. So you have to just be live with uh, being good every thirty years. And, yeah, I guess uh, so, man. Because um, then people aren't going to look at look bear, or at least only only one Twitter head is going to look at your uh, World Series and think cheating instead yeah. of everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's just funny that it just always makes me laugh. That like it feels like every team has a cheating scandal except except the Royals at some right. point. Oh man! But so uh, we'll stick it. We'll stick with KC, and uh, there was some other news for the other team, and this wasn't the most positive of news. Uh, no. Frank Clark <laughs> thrown in jail for having an Uzi in the back seat. Man, dude, what what did you think? Where are you going? This? Frank Clark, like what? What you have been in the NFL for so long? Where is the need for an Uzi? Like self defense mo- submachine gun? I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. In your car? What are you doing? Are you running yeah. around? Was he in California? Yeah, he was in California. Yeah, he's running around Nipsey Hussle's uh, neighborhood or something. I don't know what's going on there. That's crazy, dude. The craziest part of it for me 
is that it was for like a routine trap. So like he didn't have a front license plate. Yeah. That's why he got pulled over. And so like if the bag zipped up, like it was reported that it was just sitting open in a bag. If the bag zipped up, nothing happens. That is he, dangerous, he, man. He might get a ticket for, for not having a front license plate. The As long as his, you know, when the officer runs his plates, it's, it's all good. He just goes on his way. Maybe even gives the officer an audio. I don't know how these guys work. I don't know how that works when you get pulled over. Um, but uh, how do you not had- get nervous? You're like, I know I have an Uzi in my car. I'm yeah. getting pulled over. How is a- that not the first place you look at? You know. Well, I think he's a, he's a big man, and officers like look for that kind of movement in the in the car. So like, if he takes if he moves back to zip up the bag, who leaves an Uzi in an unzipped bag? I, I got gotcha. you. I'm, I'm just saying. In the, once he was pulled over, yeah, I guess if he if he makes the movement back, it's getting checked. So yeah. his his best plan at that point was hope they don't see it. Yeah, <laughs> what's that Which, there? Yeah, what's that? What's that? You got a permit for that? No? No. Oh, it's impossible no. to have a permit for that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently it was uh, – there's a bunch of different stories. I don't know what to believe. I heard something about like maybe it was his like bodyguard, which first off – Sure. Like, <laughs> right. Like, Where's his fall guy? Yeah, exactly. Like everyone needs a fall guy. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, speaking of – like I mean just to top that the <laughs> with Caruso – uh, I don't know if you saw this. The Lakers player uh, Caruso got arrested in Texas State in uh, College Station for uh, weed, and everybody's oh like, "Where's God. your fall guy, man? Where are these dudes going?" <laughs> you always need a fall guy. Yeah. That's how you get out of these things. Like you literally just need to need to pay one of your buddies to be the fall. To guy. Just sit there, yeah. Be like, "That's his Uzi. I would never have an Uzi officer." Right, right, right. Um, but, okay, uh, I just gotta say, I've never liked Frank Clark. Like, I get it. One of the all-time causes the shark, uh, sharks in the water. Like, he had a great run. I, he's uh, he's an interesting cat, and this just proves that more. Um, I just hope. I mean, who knows if this will affect? Uh, maybe he'll he'll have to do the weekend probation thing that they do for athletes. But I'll be hard with uh, Sundays. Yeah, I mean, I have mixed feelings about about Clark. I mean, part of me always has liked Frank Clark because he was the first uh, professional uh, um, interview that I, press conference I was at. No, I didn't ask any questions, but you know, I I was there and had a picture of him and his daughter and kind of thing. So I always kind of had a soft spot. It was his first time speaking um, at training camp, and then you know he had that huge run in the playoffs. But then when you start to look at just the way he's acted and and the money, like he has the biggest hit he's not making the most money but he has the biggest cap hit of all defensive players in the nfl um it just doesn't quite add up and so when you add in add in this it just gets harder and harder to be a seems unfocused fan. um and he obviously just had one of his worst years last year yeah, um, yeah. and we really needed him to step up so right it's not right. like you uh chiefs fans can just say okay well let's say goodbye to frank clark no that's our Probably one of our weakest position groups that I've been saying throughout the week. So, not right. Good. That was some of the things people were saying was just cut them, just get rid of them. And no, it's I like can't. you're already talking about moving Chris Jones to DN before the Frank Clark move. Yeah. That alone tells you how weak your defensive end is right now. Right. Because um, they have some strength at the D tackle with Naughty and Reed, and so they can move Clark or move excuse me Jones out. Now that Frank Clark, I mean, I don't know. It's a victimless crime, and it sounds like it's um, – He does have gonna, priors. He's That's not going to be in too much – It doesn't sound like he's going to be in too much legal trouble, though. That's uh, good. 
Um, but that doesn't mean that the Chiefs or the NFL are going to suspend him for a stretch of games. So yeah, um, it'll just we'll just have to keep an eye on it and see what happens. Uh, what really, re- really, really sucks is that the Chiefs' toughest stretch of their schedule is like the first six games. You know, with the Browns, the Ravens, the Bills, the Chargers are on there. Like he's going to miss that if he's going to miss any stretch of those games. Like that, that's a little worrisome. Obviously, it's not the Chiefs are still. Um, good enough to where they should be able to overcome it, but it definitely makes it more difficult. So I'm surprised he's going to like get off with n- minimal punishment because California has like really strict gun laws, and uh, he does have like a, has priors, right? And stuff. Right. So I mean, not weapons priors, but still, yeah. Um, he's lucky he's not going to be a felon for sure. If he was not a football player, he probably would be. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like he actually had an incident back in March with a, a weapon too, but it doesn't seem like he's been charged for that. Uh, yeah, see, that's not the good stuff. When you start racking them up, that's when the judges come down on you. Right. But it says, it says uh, according to Sam McDowell of the Casey Star, says the investigation of Frank Clark's arrest and felony gun march and sh- gun charge in March is still ongoing. Yeah. So a, Cal- a California Highway Patrol spoke. Spokesperson told him the case has not been uh, decided yet. So we'll. we'll right. They're about to close the close it, and they're like, "Okay, this is fine. I don't think he's he's probably not that bad of a guy." And Uzi Uzi charge. Right. They will right. open this back up. So it'll be something. Do the do the Chiefs need to make a corresponding move, or like go get a Justin Houston or a Melvin Ingram, or should they just need to ride this out and hope that the suspension isn't too bad and that they can make make do? I mean, if you're not gonna. If somebody's willing to take a test it year, um, I would go Melvin Ingram. I don't know. Houston's been done for a while. I, feel uh, I like. don't know. He hasn't had that much production. Houston's been, Houston's been pretty. He's he's been better than Clark. Sure. <laughs> Let's just put it that he way. Is, he's been, wow. He's been better. Well, then maybe uh, you do go get one of those guys and say goodbye to Clark, but that'd be quite the cap hit. I'll tell you what. I I'm also a little biased just because I love Justin. He's I know he's sure. a lot. He's a very you know a lot of guys have mixed feeling just because of his uh injury record but like in 2014 man that 22 stack yeah season, of course that was enough to be like all right i'm a fan or and when he held up the uh, eric berry uh cancer shirt you know like those two moments alone were enough for no me he's okay like, he's a, he's uh a, a chief through and through I, I would be okay with him going out and getting getting him that'd be he great has, he has 19 sacks combined over the last two years Maybe we'll actually rush him more instead of like the last couple of years he was here he was in pass protection way right. too much. Right. So he's still, I don't know, how old is he? Um, he's still, thir- he's going to be 32. So he's a little older, but like, I don't know. I, I would Yo, like, that would, that makes sense. If they can get the right price for him, smaller contract kind of thing, and it look, the outlook on Clark is bleak, let's make that clear. Like, there has to be a knee, not a just in case, I right. think. Um, the, the Chiefs are in a financial spot to where it needs to be <laughs> they have to need make this room not maybe we need this room but i would be okay with them going out and to get justin houston or melvin ingram so for sure i'm surprised melvin ingram's still not on a team yeah no he's he's i guess they people think it's the joey bosa effect like he was only good because joey bosa was on the other and i don't know wasn't he I, drafted I, like way before yeah but he, but he didn't really get good until oh. joey bosa was on the other side i think is my is my understanding um, that could have just been a yeah. I don't remember that. I remember him having a couple solid years before. I remember when they got Bosa, it was everybody was like, "Wow, that's a hell of a tandem." Um, 
that they have going there. Um, let's look. Joey Bosa came in the league in 2016, had 10 and a half sacks his rookie year because he right. was just an absolute an monster. Yeah. Melvin Ingram came in the league in 2012 and in the first three years had six sacks 2015. So the year before Bosa was his first breakout year with 10 and a half sacks. Yeah, so that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. So he broke out He broke out a little later, but once he bro- he did break out before Bosa, so – um, yeah, I, it is surprising for sure that he's not. I mean, he's also going to be 32 this year. Maybe that's it. But yeah, well, I didn't know he was that old. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I. It, it's because his first three years in the league, he didn't do anything. Sure. You know, Wait, so did he have six sacks total his first three years? Yeah, yeah, one, wow. one, and four. Wow. His first three yeah, years, and sorry. then just busted on the scene and has and had 10, 8, 10, 7, 7. So hey, it's always nice to get a charger off the Chargers and see if they can, you know perform right. they have just weird play weird culture over there that they're getting rid of so it's possible I, I, always, perform. I always hate how, like outside of philip rivers i always hate how much i like charger players like that's always been the case yeah it's because like, they don't have like, any fans why would you even hate them you know like antonio gates and, and lt and now uh, for sure osa and derwin james and even justin herbert like they always have these guys that i just really like and i right. Because if you pop, them. if you can pop, man, you're gonna pop hard in those jerseys. Oh yeah, I think that is that's that's such a good point. Yeah, if you're in, <laughs> those Charger jerseys might be the best yeah. in all like, the NFL. Yeah. Danny Tomlinson killing you is like I'm cool with that man. That man has swag. <laughs> that bolt on the helmet right. with the dark with the dark visor. Oh Oof. man, yeah, yeah. It's like it was hard to hate that guy, and it didn't hit quite the same when he went to the Jets. No, <laughs> no, no. That jersey is slow. Yeah, yeah. So I just asked Le- Le- Vevion, Le- whatever his name is, Bell. Yeah, you know? Bell. Yeah. So it it is. I wouldn't mind getting a Charger either. Um, it is. It is weird though. That is a good point. Those you, anybody can look good in those jerseys, man. Yeah. So. But all right, all right. That's enough NFL, man. We'll we'll probably get into some Chiefs topics as they get into training camp. They're going back to St. Joe. That's exciting. That's yeah. the other news in Chiefs land. So uh, you know, fans will get that to look forward to. There's going to be a lot of strict rules the NFL is enforcing. I don't know how many autographs and stuff, if any, people are going to be able to get. But you'll at least be able to go out to the out to the field and, and watch the team practice, which is always fun. It's always a good start to the Yeah, they are. They're like if you get a vaccine, your life is going to be so nice yeah. compared to everybody else. Yeah. So, so we'll we'll, we'll just keep an eye on that and see and see how training camp goes. Um, but. Let's get let's get into the little NBA stuff. I know, I know that's your thing, man, and it's heating up. We're in the conference championships, and uh, we've got quite the the four teams in the in the NBA championships. Yeah, man the uh, the ratings for this bad boy is about to hit the floor um, because whoever like the Bucks, the Hawks, the Clippers, and the Suns. The Suns have probably the biggest fan base of all four of the uh, of four of those. But man, this besides the uh, this is a very regional conference finals uh, in terms of who's going to be watching. Um, right. Like the the finals is just not going to draw that huge uh, national audience because there's just not a player that really draws people in besides Chris Paul. But who knows what's going on? He should be back for Game Three. Um, but like I know you didn't watch the game last night, but I just gotta say, like it is absolutely criminal that Giannis uh, Giannis has been practicing his three point shot for the last like five years, can't hit him, takes four years at the free throw, but does not have a post move, has zero post move. He puts his back to the basket, 
He can't even drop step, man. The original post move, he doesn't have it. He, I see them giving him the baseline over and over again, and he doesn't have. If he can't go straight line right at you, he's not. He can't do anything with it, which is crazy because he is so good, right? He had like a thirty point triple double last night, and he was all over the place. But he's so limited in these times in in the half court offense that it's. He needs to hook up with Hakeem, go to dream school, and get some post moves, man. How do you not have a hook? You have the longest arms in the league, the biggest hands. How do you not have any – you don't have a left, you don't have a right. How, like that is – it would help his game so much more to know how to score a basket from the half court besides just taking up taking terrible jump shots. And uh, and you know what? At this point, and it's I hate saying this because he's a little twerp and I can't stand watching him play – but Trey Young is undeniable, man. He is undeniable. He is so freaking good. Uh, and I don't know where it came from. Uh, he was a losing basketball player for like the last his first three years in the league. And then Nate McMillan gets in there, and they're in the Western Eastern Conference Finals and up a game on the Bucks because he's just like. And he fell in love with his thirty footer last night, which is how you lo- how he loses. But when he's out there and he's run, he's on a high pick and roll with uh, Clint Capella, and he can either just he has the slickest floater in the NBA, and it just always goes in, which is an impo- like an impossible shot to be so <laughs> uh, to be so good with, or he just tosses it up to Capella. It's almost unbeatable. And you know what? Their second best scorer, Bogdan Bogdanovich, can't even jump right now. And they still won that game. It's it doesn't make any sense uh, that they're this good, but it's all because of Trey Young. Yeah, he dropped forty eight last night, fifty percent so from good. the field. His hair looks absolutely wild. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I kind of like Trey Young. Um, maybe it's because I don't watch, I haven't watched a lot of NBA of him, but you know, from his year at, at Oklahoma, he was he was kind of fun, frustrating at the same time. He was amazing. That's the crazy thing. Do you yeah. know this stat? Trey Young didn't win Player of the Year, the Naismith Player of the Year. He led the nation in scoring and assists. Right. Never been done before, ever, right. in the history right. of college basketball, including that includes the likes of Pistol Pete Maravich, who scored 40 points a game. Uh, but, like, so he is very disrespected because he is, a, he is an attitude. He loves to be hated, and uh, he just hunts fouls, man. And... That's what I can't stand. And the league has moved in a direction where, like, these six foot, six foot one guys who shoot like 30 foot three pointers, but completely take out any uh, nuance of the game, right? Because you're just jacking it from when you cross half court, then you're shooting like 40%, which is an unstoppable percentage. Uh, It's just not very fun to watch. It's not what I love in basketball. But again, he's undeniable, just like Booker is now uh, on the other side of the bracket. Um, and the Suns, like he was a losing basketball player for like the first six years of his career. Now he's got Chris Paul, and now they're they're a really good team, man. That that draft class with Luca, Aiton, and Trey Young is going to go down as an all timer. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, sure, it's certainly looking that way. And it's kind of funny that Trey Young and Luca were traded for each other. Cause- it's crazy. Everybody was like, because it's. Until now, until right now, Luke Luke is the best 
like 22, 21, 20 year old player ever, right? Right. right. Uh, nobody's ever been this good this fast. So it would make sense that it would be a mistake to trade him away to get Trey Young and eventually DeAndre Hunter, and uh, who's not even playing in this series because he's injured. But like that's how good Trey Young is. It makes you question. The only team that has egg on their face left is the Kings, who took Marvin Mar- Mar- Bagley, who's yeah. almost not even on the team anymore. Right, right. It's it's crazy. How often do you see trades where, um, you know, two of the teams are at least, uh, at least kind of, you know, pretty happy. You know, I yeah. think Hawks. So I mean, <laughs> Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Mavericks, you know, have lost in the first round of the Clippers the last two years. But man, he's an MVP candidate already. Right. And guess right. who's going to be an MVP candidate next year? And that's Trey Young. And guess what? Probably if Trey DeAndre Young. Ayton. Steph keeps playing the way he's playing. He could be a defensive player of the year, or like even like all NBA center. So that's an incredible like first four. Yeah, that is and all young guys. I mean, man, that is that is crazy. I am hoping the Bucks though. You know, even though they lost game one, like that's what you want to see. Like that's, that's who, who you want to see. It's Giannis's turn. Play. He's paid right. his dues, man. Trey Young ain't paid any dues. Right. 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 <laughs> Uh, yeah. it, I really want you have to oh, be rooting for Bucks Suns because if any either team wins, somebody gets it who really deserves it. You know? Right, right. It's it's a it's a feel good story. Whoever wins the, not that the Hawks wouldn't be like I mean yeah for sure, but it'd just be like you you have to pay your dues. Why are you doing like you're skipping a, you're skipping the narrative, you're skipping a step. Uh, yeah, I mean you know who's just got who's just crying right now is Lloyd Pierce. It was the head coach of the Hawks at the beginning of the season where they were one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then he gets fired. Nate McMillan comes in, and they are in the Eastern Conference Finals like, and have yeah. been winning since then. Yeah, I mean, he has to get a lot. I don't – I mean, he's getting a lot of credit, but like – He's an interim head coach. That's his yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. Like, he needs to be talked about more because, like, that – like you said, that turnaround specifically <laughs> for Trey Young – has been ridiculous since he's taken over. And you know what? Like, and what's really annoying is that it's definitely came out that Trey Young was instrumental in getting Lloyd Pierce fired. And again, it just proves that maybe Trey Young knows what he's talking about a little bit. <laughs> and it's just uh, that's just the way basketball is going. And it's hard for me to really jump on board. But man, it's it's hard to say anything at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Now I I get it. Um, you know, maybe that's. Why I, I probably would have been watching a little bit more had the Nets been able to to close it out or had the even the Sixers been able to close things out like that was a disaster. Like those are just teams I'm a little bit more in. Not that I don't like the Bucks. I mean, I obviously I love I love Drew Holiday. who had a good game yesterday in the loss. Um, but like I don't know. They just it doesn't. Giannis doesn't quite do it for me. Trey Young, um, not quite there just because it's new onto the scene. Uh, I guess. But and then on the other side, you have the second popular team in LA and uh right. and and the Suns without Chris Paul like like you said like it's just it's very regional right now it's hard if you're not already a big NBA fan to really get into it but we'll this is what I'm- happens when you lose real super teams right like the Nets were super were the only one and they were injured but right. uh you you start to see like these four teams are flawed teams they right, are not right. like all timers like they shouldn't nobody who wins should be on the 2k all t- like all-time team like list or whatever they have uh, where you can play as a team that wins a championship or whatever because uh, they're all either injured or they just have some glaring thing like either free throw shooting defense anything like that 
Yeah. Besides yeah. the Suns, but the Suns, like, what the hell? Like, the only person that has playoff experience is Jay Crowder and Chris Paul. Chris Paul's not even playing. Right, right, yeah. It's just wild. Any other thoughts on, on the NBA playoffs and where we're at? Um, well, now in the playoffs, the Pistons won the lottery for the first time since 1970. Um, yeah, they're going to get Kate Cunningham, um, which is great for them. Uh, really hard for the Timberwolves to lose uh, their first round pick this year after being like the worst team, one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, yeah. But other than that, that's probably it. Yeah. The Okie State boy, Cade Cunningham. Gonna yeah. be a Piston. That'll be fun. That'll be good for them. Good for the bad boy, former bad boy Pistons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're a long, long ways away from that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They haven't been good for a while. Yeah. Well, the last time there was Chauncey Billups on the roster. Right, two thousand and four. Last time they won, was... they won the championship. Yeah, last time they were relevant. Yeah, With uh, yeah. Well, before we get out of here, we wanted to bring back anything goes. Um, had a few requests for people missing us talking about random BS. I guess. I guess that's where we kind of hit our stride. I, I thought it was NFL, but apparently it's talking about random stuff. So, um, my brother wants to know. What do you think about open mic nights at comedy clubs? Well, this is relevant because the first thing that uh, my girlfriend and I did um, since having our baby, like going out, uh, was we went to a open mic here in Lawrence. Uh, the first open mic in Lawrence in a year and a half since the pandemic started. Um, and it was brutal. It was uh, very rough. Obviously, there's no complaints here in terms of like that's definitely what's going to happen. But there was just just overwhelming trend throughout all of the sets of just like they all kind of thought about the same thing over during the pandemic, and they were all going to make jokes about it. It was it was like lots of jokes about therapy. Therapists are definitely buy stocks in therapy. Lots of jokes about the pandemic and just like being inside and everything. And I think the move is definitely to stay away from what every all of the darkness that everybody's been suffering from. Uh, I found it really hard not to just be cringing the whole time uh, watching it. And if the only if you weren't going to do one of those therapy or whatever, you're going to do make some real dark joke where there's lots of abortion, lots of like very dark jokes and everything like that. And uh, so every, everybody seems to be in a little bit of a funk in terms of open mics. Um, but uh, what, what else can be expected after not doing it for a year and a half? Yeah, man, that is that does sound rough and Lauren. Was it a lot of college kids or like what was the – So the it was age? like a pretty – like there was one table of college kids who were laughing at everything. Um, and then there was just kind of a spattering of townies uh, who I would say like – anywhere there there was like 60 year olds 50 like everybody was in attendance and there was no like a nobody was getting offended or anything it's an open mic um but i there's just not a lot of flow i would say from the comedians um and they're all just kind of like yeah we're all really sad and isn't that funny uh not really but they're trying (laughs) um see it's funny because me and my brother we went to a comedy club um couple weeks ago uh the kansas city comedy club down here on on state line road and it's actually pretty good i mean yeah you had you had a lot of people that bombed and and you had some guys that just weren't weren't really that funny but like i had a good time i mean you had some you had some yeah. guys that that were that were actually really like knew what they were doing like clearly they were using it to test out some jokes but like their stage presence and the way they delivered things like they they were 
they knew what they were doing. And I always appreciate that. I mean, it's just a good time to go and sure. have a few drinks and just, you know, kind of, kind of laugh at, at nothing, you know, yeah. half the time you're laughing at nothing, but I always find a way to laugh, especially when, again, I've had a few drinks. No, all respect to anybody that gets up and does that. I, it's a, I've done it a handful of times. It's extremely nerve wracking and you are, it's just like baseball. You're going to fail like 70% of the time. Uh, <laughs> And so it's, it's gotta be brutal. And it's a great, what's awesome about comedy, stand-up comedy, especially is the camaraderie that everybody feels and like the support that everybody, like all of the comedians give to each other, even though they're all bombing and, but at least they're trying and they're actually doing it. And that's what they can tell the crowd is like, I'm up here doing this. You're not. Um, So no. And there was, so that's why like heckling is ridiculous. And any yeah. type of criticism for people that are just trying to get up and work on it because it's the only way to get better. Yeah, no, definitely. My brother, the reason we went is because uh, he's trying to work up the courage to go do it. He wants the, me to do it with him, though. Sure. And I, I don't know if I can do that, man. I don't, I don't know if I can Anybody go watch that Royals game? Yeah, exactly. Like, what am I going to make jokes about? Um, but wait, you said you've done it a handful of times. What's, what's your best joke? Oh, no, it's not <laughs> – it's not podcast. Not, no, no, no. no, it's like it's probably podcast appropriate, but probably not good. And so, uh, or definitely, like I definitely don't do like jokes. You know, I'm not up there like knock knock, who's there? Well, yeah, duh. But, yeah, so, so you, you had you have to do your whole set to set it up. Kind uh, of. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm very bad at it. I would say that I'm avoiding the uh, idea of like I don't I don't want to bomb in front of you and uh, nobody and all in your dad at this point. Um, but it's. Uh, I mean, all respect to anybody that can do it every day. I, I just, yeah. it's so intimidating. Um, yeah. Dude, I don't even know. I, if I, I'm sure I'm going to have to do it at some point. Um, and sure. I don't even, I don't even know where to begin. Like make jokes about washing the dishes or. Yeah. So like these, the, <laughs> the two, the two first guys, like the host and this first guy that went up, they were like talking about how they were going on tour quotation marks uh and they're but they were just going to hutchinson to do a stand-up show the next day and they were going on radio in hutchinson which i don't know what that would be like and they're the first guy was like yeah and there's gonna be like a porn star on there and so that was that was his joke basically that 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 was who they were going to be talking to and then the next guy got up there and said that they were going to do this whole they went through the same bit basically and he was like yeah there's gonna be a stripper there and i was like wait hold on those are two very different things because uh, what's a porn star in Hutchinson, Kansas? But uh, that was like <laughs> – that's the kind of thing that we were dealing with if it wasn't like oh, talking about being in therapy. Yeah. Yeah, no, we didn't quite have that. I mean it, the thing about comedy and like I don't it, – it's a lot more – like people have to be vulgar they feel like. And I don't sure. mind vulgar. I don't mind the, the, the language but I just – it was kind of got that was what got old for me is that every single comedian up there like felt the need to like cuss and be as vulgar as possible. And I don't always think that's the case. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if that bothers you I mean, at all. No, I, just, I mean, it doesn't bother me in the sense of like it's very cheap. Uh, right, right. But, and it's like shock, shock doesn't bother me, but it's not what I'm there for. And if right. I love stand up, like good stand up, I, I mean, I'll watch Bill Burr like. And all it, I've watched all of his specials all the time, and he's not vulgar. Like right. he'll cuss, and he has like controversial things. But the best comedians of all time are not exceptionally vulgar, right? Know? Right. Um, they sprinkle they'll sprinkle things in there to like emphasize jokes and everything. Like Mulaney, 
who's yeah, just yeah. the greatest joke writer of his generation. Oh, he is. Uh, awesome. Like he is so good. And I don't know if you've heard of Nate Bargatze. He's a Nashville guy. Um, if you haven't watched his special Tennessee kid, he's completely clean. Um, he's still like adult. Like I don't think kids would get him as much. Um, and he's incredible. His delivery is amazing. And then there's always Brian Regan, who's like completely clean and a hundred percent like kid friendly. And he's like one of the most like highest earning standups of all time. Right. Right. So like, yeah, there's definitely ways to do it. And like, again, like you hit the nail on the head, like Bill Burr and John Mulaney are two of my favorites. And like, it's not that they yeah. don't cuss. It's just that they don't rely on the language. Like a lot it's of adult days. humor. Like that's what I was right. like confused. Cause you'll see like people like there'll be an 18 plus on things because it doesn't make sense for kids to be watching it. They won't get it. Um, but then the, uh, Mike Birbiglia, that's another guy that's like incredible. Like Sue, that's pretty clean, um, completely clean. I mean, I think all of my favorite comedians are, are in terms of vulgarity, like very clean. Right, right. And that was the one thing that was consistent throughout the open mics is that it was like it almost felt forced on 90% of the – Yeah, and most – you know, the problem so. is that like what? Like a super small percentage of comedians are actually ever going to make it and you have to be really creative and really good and it's really hard to be that good and not have any of like the shock jokes or like sexual jokes. Like that's – I can't stand like Amy Schumer, uh, like Eliza, like some of the like those people who just right. completely rely on like sexual jokes, right? Um, right. But. Yeah. So, uh, but they're fun. Like I definitely plan on going back. Uh, if I ever actually get up on stage, I'll let you know how it goes. Sure. And maybe, maybe if it goes halfway decent, which I don't expect it to, I'll share a joke or two. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to. I just, I just uh, let me clean this up real quick. I don't want to make people think that I don't think uh, women comedians are good because I named two. <laughs> yeah. I don't think people were yeah. saying that. Uh, Miss Pat uh, is this, is a comedian that's so funny. Like her interviews on Joe Rogan are just laugh out loud funny so yeah. she's really good yeah so throw that in there okay yeah i don't think any i, I hope no one was getting i didn't pick that up that's yeah. what you were saying but uh you got you know we got you got to stay you got to stay politically correct man i get it i get it in these times <laughs> well um, you know like especially because people like to just insanely say that women aren't funny which is crazy right and uh yeah, seriously my- some of the best comedy writers of like the last 20 years have all been women and uh, like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, that kind, of, that kind of situation. Yeah, my wife is way funnier than I am. So, oh, so yeah. women, are, women, women can definitely be funny. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> she would never get up on stage and tell jokes, but she's way funnier than I am. Right. So. But all right, I, before we get out of here, real quick, um, I saw the Royals drop their lineup today against the Yankees. Dozier and Solaire are both out of the lineup. Thank God. So maybe we'll get maybe they'll win the series against against uh, the Yankees. We'll see how it goes. But I, thought I, I just saw that. I thought I dropped that real quick. But yeah, they're like two of the worst hitters in the MLB. So it makes sense that they're not in the MLB. <laughs> oh man. So, but all right, that's gonna do it for us today. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, we'll we'll try to we'll try to uh, keep the content coming out and uh, may miss next week. I will be going on my honeymoon. Um, mm-hmm. Drew's kind of undecided if he wants to wants to give a shot at this so so we may may take a week off um but uh but we'll definitely be back in july uh talking all the things that happened over a two-week period a lot of nba stuff will happen there too which is uh 
I know something Drew can't wait for. So, uh, all right, guys, thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening, Dad. See you.